So last week, um, building life on the rock, Rich kind of um, set this thing up, and I'm going to continue in this vein. And I'm really excited um, about what I'm going to talk about today because it, it really is near and dear to my heart. I've preached on this um, numerous times, but it, you know how the Holy Spirit really blows a fresh revelation, fresh insight, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and God's really been breathing on me in the last probably three, four weeks concerning this. And I want to talk to you this morning about the church, right? What it is, what it represents, and why you should be a part of it. A little backstory, and I'll confess that maybe there was... How many of you know that there's swings in your life? Have you ever gone to extremes? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, when we were in the church in the 80s, the 90s, you weren't spiritual if you weren't in the church, Donna, for nine hours on a Sunday. You think I'm joking, right? No. You didn't have church if you didn't have a three-hour service. Yeah. And then if you were a real devoted Christian, you went Sunday night. And if you didn't go Sunday night, you were a lukewarm Christian. Yeah. It seems like the pendulum went the other way. And we got into, don't go over an hour and a half for church, right? And so we've, we've come, and I think that God will bring balance like he always does. And I remember when the kids were little, we had a policy in our house. And I'm not putting this on any of you, but this was our policy. First of all, there were very few sleepovers for my kids as little children. Do you hear me? Um, we had to know that we knew that we knew that household before my kids spent the night. Secondly, there were no sleepovers on Saturday night. And guess why? Church was a priority. And I remember, and Chris can remember, I remember picking Sophie up. Not so much Chloe, because Chloe figured this thing out kind of early. She wasn't going to win this battle. Sophie's going to be a lawyer, and so she still has that, as a lawyer, sit in the front row. The phone call would come before we were going to pick her up, and the waterfall would begin. Everybody's here. We're all going to stay, and it's going to be so much fun. And why can I never have sleepovers on Saturday night? You're so mean. You're so... Sophie, what's the rule? I know the rule, but it's just this one time. Did we ever bend, Chris? Not once. And maybe we went to an extreme. But we were driving something home in the culture of our home. That church was a priority in our household. Do you hear me? And it was important on Sunday morning to get up. I'll never forget the story from Jimmy Moss of a devoted um, member of the church. He was part of the leadership team. He sat down with me, said, guess what? I'm not going to be able to stay in the church any longer. Remember the story? And he said, why? Because little Jimmy's got to play soccer on Sunday morning. And we don't have time for church anymore. And Jimmy said, let me get this straight. 
the child's sports come before church? Well, you know, maybe just in this season. No, no, no. See, once you've established that in their life, they have all of a sudden seen the church is not a priority. So I just want to tell you that I'm still a believer that the church is important. Can anybody say amen? amen. The gathering of the saints. We're going to talk about ecclesia. What does it mean? See, Rich set you up to talk about the, the individual relationship and building your life on the rock and the foundation, which is super important. Equally as important, I'm going to prove to you today that Jesus Christ bled and died, not just for you individually, but for the church. Amen. For the body of believers, he gave everything that this institution would be established in earth. And by the way, it wasn't a second thought. It wasn't an accident. It was planned from the foundation of the earth. And by the way, the church will never go away. That's another thing that I might mess with your theology to just a little bit. So I want to talk to you. How many of you ever took biology? Any biology majors? Oh, Rich, you were a biology major? We had to have been. And in biology, you had microbiology that did what? Small stuff, the micro, the little, where you'd study the atoms and that whole dynamic. And then you had what? And that's the same with economics. You had microeconomics, I took, and then I took macroeconomics, or, right? Macro being big, the big picture, the, the, the wholeness. And so when I talk to you today about church and you being a part of the church, I'm talking to you as the wholeness of the body of Christ. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. So, so give, recently God challenged me a little bit. Do any of you ever get annoyed by social media and the news? <laughs> Especially recently. And we'll be careful not to get too political because you might, some of you might love me and you might hate me if we get into politics. Um, so I've been very frustrated the last year, just to be downright honest with you at times to the point where I've had to limit myself to my intake. Have you ever been there yet? So I'm limiting myself on my intake. And recently in my mind, I'm having this irritation and, and, and I don't know, I'm, I guess I'm irritating myself because I'm talking to myself and God challenged me and said, what are you going to do about the irritation and the problems that you see? You know, God does that, right? And so one of the things that I really believe that we have to remember and, and is this, is as the church, we really are set up to probably make the greatest impact ever in this hour. I truly believe that prophetically, that we are in a position and a place where it is so absolutely top is bottom and up is down and in is out. It is so twisted. How many know I'm talking about? Amen. But see, here's the thing. As Rich was talking about last week. If your foundation is right, you don't get twisted. Right. Amen. You stay true. You stay right. You keep speaking the truth in love. You keep heralding the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is good news. Amen. Can anybody say amen? amen? 
And so he challenged me, the Spirit of God did, to emphasize the importance of the church again. And not just the importance, but the authority that the church carries. So let's read one of my favorite passages, Matthew. And I was talking to AJ's dad today about Peter, right? Peter is a part of this passage. So we're going to go into Matthew 16, and we're actually going to read 13 and 19 so we get a really good before and after. You ready for me? All right. If you're there, third, or chapter, Matthew 16, 13, and we're going to read all the way through probably 19. says this. When Jesus came to the region of Philippi, he asked the disciples, saying, Who do they say that I am? Who do they say the Son of Man I am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, and some say one of the prophets. But that wasn't his question. They says, He said to them, but who do you say I am? And Peter spoke up and said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. Now, Peter speaks up many times. Sometimes he gets it right. Sometimes he gets it wrong. How many can relate to Peter? There's hope for you and me. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And here's our, our, our real text today. And I also say to you, you are Peter or Petro, meaning a small, a small rock, a small stoner. And on this what? Rock. rock. We talked about that last week. I will build my what? My church. And the gates of hell will, will not prevail against it. Verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What an absolutely powerful passage. Let me give you a couple of things why I believe this is important. First of all, the I. Do you have that? You can pull that up. Not yet. That's going to be good. We're going to be going there. So I, you got it right there. Jesus is personally committed to building the church. Do you hear me? When Jesus says, I, I, the Christ, will build my church, he's saying this is priority number one for me. This isn't a second thought. This isn't a, a social club. That he's establishing in the earth. He says, I'm going to establish this thing. It's his priority, number one. Then he says, will. Listen, the church had not yet been birthed, but was a sovereign will of Jesus Christ. Do you hear me? Will indicates determination to produce and perfect regardless of the time and the effort it would be required. It was his will to build the church. And he's letting his disciples know this because they're going to be the foundation of the church. Amen. Notice he says, my, if you go to my. My is his personal property, pride and possession. Christ gave himself for the church, purchased with his blood. 
Remember I said this. As evangelicals, and one of the things when I got saved, it was taught to me that Jesus Christ died for me personally. That is proper doctrine. And it, it, it changed my life forever, like hopefully many of you. But I didn't hear a whole lot about the importance of the establishment of the church and that Jesus Christ died for the church, for the body of believers. And I think sometimes we've missed this. And as we look in this, we're going to establish what kind of authority that we carry as we're a part of the church. So you carry authority on your own. When you go back home on Monday and throughout the week, hopefully you're praying and you're in the word and you're believing God and you're fighting for your destiny. You're fighting for your family. You're in the word. You're contending, right? You're believing that God's will is going to be done on your life. But let me tell you something. When you come through the doors of the church and as a body, as the ecclesia comes together and we mesh, it's a whole different dynamic that begins to happen. Your faith and my faith begin to blend. There's, a, there's an, a progression. There's an anointing where two or more, the Bible says, are what? There I will be where? In the midst. So imagine when 100 or 200 or 400 or 5,000, the church chooses to prioritize time in their life to come together. Things and good things do happen. Amen. Dunamis power. You're right. The church. What is the definition? You all, most of you probably know this, but let's go through it quickly. Ekklesia. It's used in the Greek for, in the secular Greek, by the way. Can you guys see that in that white background? Okay. All right. It's used in the secular Greek for an assembly of citizens in the Septuagint for the congregation of Israel. The dominant use in the New Testament is to describe the assembly or the accompany of Christians in the following ways. Three different ways. Hear these. The whole body of Christians, right? So the Christians at whole throughout the world. By the way, there's a lot of us. Can anybody say amen? amen. We want more, don't we? We want every, we, every year we should be progressing and winning people to Christ. Number two, it's a local church constituting a company of Christians gathering for worship, sharing, and teaching. What we're doing today, this is a local church, a local body of believers. Number three, church in a district. Other related terms are a spiritual house, a chosen race, or God's people. So three different definitions of the church. This is, there's a couple of points that I really want to drive home today. And this is the first one. As you see the progression, he says, the church is going to be established. It's Jesus' heart and will that he establishes it. And then he goes on to say, in the gates of what? Will not prevail against it. Do we as believers really still believe that today? And then he goes on to say, and I'm going to give the church the keys of the kingdom of heaven. 
And whatever they bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever they loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I think sometimes we get overwhelmed with the vastness of all the stuff, even recently that has transpired. By the way, I just want to tell you something, and I hope this doesn't shock you. That your government doesn't love the church. Now, you should pray like the Bible commands you for those that are in authority. You should pray for godly presidents, for godly vice presidents, for godly leaders and Congress and Senate and local. You're responsible to pray and to believe that God brings godly people into every facet of society. Right. That's biblical. But I want to tell you something. The governmental authority that the church carries is not even close to the governmental authority in the natural realm. Do you hear me? That should excite you today. That the boneheaded things that they do sometimes, the ungodliness that we see revealed before us on a daily basis, right? That angers us, that irritates us, and it should. But the thing is, you should do, is you should remember... You're a part of the governmental body of believers that's been given authority to bind and to loose, right? And to work through the will of God in the earth. And at the end of the day, Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail against us. The church. Isn't that good news today? And so we see that the kingdom authority has been given to the church. We must understand the church carries a governmental and a kingdom authority. I mean, how many times we I've spoke on this before. How many times did Jesus and John make reference to the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is within you. If you don't believe I've challenged many of you, you go back to this sometime. You look at in Acts when Jesus is resurrected and he comes back and he's with the intimate circle of disciples and believers, the Bible says for 40 days, he teaches on one major subject. Do you remember this? It was the kingdom of God. So for 40 days, he takes those that would establish the church, that would birth something in the earth that's never been seen before, and he drives one principle home, the kingdom of God and the authority that they carry in the earth. Don't get caught up with what the Romans are doing, what they say or don't say. It's not about a a physical overturning of the Roman government. It's about the establishment of the authority that heaven is bringing into earth. And Peter, we know, gets a little zealous with the sword, right? And begins to fight. And Jesus, don't you know that at any second I could call a legion of angels. And I could destroy them all. But that was not his will. is not his way. So I want you to be encouraged today. That this kingdom. This governmental anointing. That we carry as a church. Does have the ability to change. Lives. Micro. Get people saved. Get people delivered. Get people healed. I'll give you a good side note. When Jesus was in the earth, 
a lot of his ministry was deliverance. Was it not? I'll throw a question out to you. Where have all the devils gone? They're not in hell yet. Maybe they are in D.C., some of them. Good doctrine. Listen to me. I, I'm just telling you, deliverance is still part of the body ministry. Can anybody say amen? amen? Not everything can be cured with a pill. Wow. And listen to me. I go to the doctor regularly. I do the things I think I'm supposed to do. Hopefully. I'm, I'm back trying to take care of the temple. Can I give you a true story? Eight years ago on a February morning at 4.30 a.m., God commanded me to get this. Brian, old body back in shape. He didn't ask me. He didn't say if you feel like it. He said you need to get back in shape. And I questioned him as to why. And he said because of the warfare and because of things that will begin to hit, you need to be physically strong for the next push of your life. Do you hear me? We do get one temple. I know that the spiritual stuff is more important. I know we got to be spiritually strong and emotionally strong. But can I just preach for two seconds? It is a good idea to maintain what God gave you. Right. Amen. And I tell you. It's terrible trying to do it. Right. It is so annoying to the flesh. And irritating. Right? And I'm not putting this conviction on you. I'm just telling you what God told me. And I know a lot of you, I don't know what happened to Henry, but one day he went from like, I don't know what, and he lost 98 pounds. I'm exaggerating. I don't know. We need to find out the secret. The fact of the matter is we do need to take care so that, interesting fact, if any of you ever, this is just a, this is just a freebie, that I remember, I love the, if you ever get a chance, you should get a hold of some of the material that Robert Slairdon has on God's generals. It's tremendous material. He talks about all the great shakers and movers. God commissioned him from a young age when he was 13 to study their weaknesses and their strengths and to let the body of Christ know why they did what they did and why they failed when they failed. Not to bring out their weaknesses, but just to give people insight. But here was an interesting fact that he came up with. Many of them died too young. They were called of God. They were anointed by God. And they were used mightily. But they were not smart in taking care of their body. They didn't sleep right. They didn't eat right. Right? And they died young. And I remember him reading in there that God showed him that there is, you do need to take care of the, the temple. Can anybody say amen? amen? I mean, you can... When you're, when you're involved in the spirit and doing spiritual things, you can do a lot of stuff. But this body will break down. Amen? So I've always remembered that. Let's move on. I want to, give you, I want to go over to Ephesians, give you a couple more truths. Next week, we're going to stay in the church. And we're going to try to do something I think that will be really cool. I'm going to try to intertwine some of the elders. They don't know it yet. Part of the message. I think it's going to be really good. Go to Ephesians 1. 
Ephesians is full of insight and wisdom on the church, by the way. So you should, you should read this over this week. I'm going to go to two or three passages in Ephesians. Let's initially go to 1, 19 through 23. And then we can bring up this graph. Once again, 19, let's go through 23. It says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power? That in itself is a good study. Verse 20, Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Verse 21, Far above what? Principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but that which is to come. Verse 22. And he put what? All things under his feet and gave him to be what? Head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So doctrinally, let's set this thing up. We see that tremendously, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, we get to, by the Spirit of God, have access to. That right there should change your life. Amen? Yeah. But he lets us know that, that he, Christ, is the head of the church. We be in the body, if you could put up that graphic, are underneath him. Where his hands, his feet, his little toe, his big toe. We'll get a little more into that maybe next week. One head, one body. Do you see that? And let me just tell you what. The body needs the head. Can anybody say amen? amen. Now, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you what Rich wanted to do. Where's Mickey? Mickey's in the back. Do you know what Rich wanted to do as an example? Wanted to either bring in a chicken or have a video of a chicken of what happens when you chop off the head of a chicken. I said, are you out of your mind? Do you know what would happen? Chris would probably get rid of me. You'd quit the church. Rich said, and I love this. That was really cool. He said, it's the first thing that came to mind because you know, the body thinks they're okay without the head for a season. Yeah. I can do this thing. I'm okay. Let me tell you what. You're not okay without the head. Eventually, the body figures this thing out. This thing ain't going to work much longer. And you're done. I couldn't do that because I've turned into an animal lover. All you farmers, I get it. You have to do what you got to do. But... The point in being, here's the exciting part of this that we have to grab hold of. That he's the head, we're the body, but the good news is we're still part. Meaning the principalities and the powers and the rulers are there. How many of you would be honest that when you would go to battle and when you would go to fight and when you go to warfare and believe God, that you would do it from a... A perspective of a grasshopper almost. That you little Christian is down here battling against all the forces that are above you. How many of you be honest that you've, you've viewed it like that before? I have too. But that's not scripturally sound. 
If you've been raised with Christ in heavenly places and if you're part of the body and he's the head and he's seated at the right hand of the father, your perspective when you go into warfare and to contend and to believe is from a platform of being above, not below. Does that change your warfare just a little bit? Does that change the authority, the way you go at it? Instead of thinking, oh, God, just I'm trying to hold on. I want my kids to be okay. I want to, you know, we're, 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 we're like grasshoppers. And I'm not talking about becoming an arrogant, bold. I want you to be bold, arrogant, prideful person. But let me tell you what. You can be bold and humble at the same time. Jesus was the most humble man that ever walked the earth. Did he carry boldness and authority or did he not? See, that was what drove the Pharisees, even the government of the day, crazy. They, they were angry at a lot of the things that he did, but they could not deny that he walked in power and miracles. Right? The proof was there. So we see this graph that we're above and not below. All right. Go to Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. And I only have one more passage. Ephesians 2. 19 through 22. And it says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers, foreigners, but fellow citizens with saints and the members, member of the household of God. Verse 20. Have been, have been built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being what? The chief cornerstone. The, that picture anchored into the rock in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Many of you said it would be wonderful for to be a Christian and be a part of the church if it wasn't for the people. And I can't wait to get to heaven because I'm not going to have to deal with these people any longer. Where do you think they're going to go? Are you going to have a no trespassing sign in your mansion? Listen, I've said it before. I don't know if it's doctrinally correct or not. But I'm going to have the most wicked water slide you've ever seen in my mansion. And you are invited to come over anytime you want. And it'll change all the time. Amen. We're not going to escape each other. I get it. You have personalities. You have preferences. You have likes. You have dislikes. You're not going to be best friends with everybody within the church. But I'm telling you something. You better at some point come to the place and embrace the church. Because just let me tell you something. I am so thankful for God relationships in my life when, when the gates of hell was raging against me, I knew they'd be in my corner. Do you hear me? Amen. And that's what the church should do. We should rejoice when one rejoice. We should weep for one that weeps. Can anybody say amen? amen. Side note, it does bring up the apostles and prophets as being foundational ministries. And that's an interesting topic that we'll get into. 
And that scares some people, and there's been great abuse in the prophetic and the apostolic, more abuse than probably any other movements ever. But it does not deny the necessity for apostles and prophets today. Can anybody say amen? amen. They're needed. Let's go to the final passage, Ephesians 3. And I'm going to read quite a bit, and then we're going to end on this and talk a little bit about next week. Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. I know I'm giving you a lot of words today, but the word is good. Amen. For this reason, I, Paul, the Apostle Paul, the prisoner of Christ, Jesus Christ for you and the Gentiles. If indeed you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. How that by what? Revelation. Revelation. He made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already. By which when you read many understanding my knowledge and the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it's now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. He brings that up again. The Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body, partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. How many of you are glad that that revelation came out? How many of you are a Jew today by birthright? Do we have anybody? I'm talking about naturally, in the lineage. No, but you've been grafted in, the Bible says. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Of which you became a minister to the gift of grace of God by his effective working power. Now, here we go. To me, who am less than the least of all saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Wouldn't you have thought that Paul's audience would have been the Jews? And his greatest impact with where he came from, being a Sadducee of all Sadducees, being an instructor of the law. Wouldn't you have thought, isn't it ironic what God does? And to make all who see the fellowship of the mystery, which is from the beginning of the ages, has been hidden in God who created the things through which Christ Jesus. Now watch this in verse 10 and 11. To the intent that now the manifold, you've heard me talk about that. That means the many sides the variety of expressions of God. By the way, you don't know everything about God. Can anybody say amen? amen? It's the other reason why you need each other. The manifold wisdom of God has been known, been made known by what? The church to the principalities and the powers in heavenly places according to the what? Eternal purpose of which he accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord. Two major thoughts. Once again, the church carries authority into the heavenly realm. Do you see that? That Jesus Christ has given the church the manifold wisdom that we might be able to make known to the hierarchy Who's really in charge? Can anybody say amen? amen? That's part of our job. And then it goes on to say, according to the eternal purpose. I'm of the belief that the church is eternal. Amen. That it will not end. That after Jesus Christ comes for the bride and takes us home, the church will go on in function, in power, I don't know how. I can't tell you how that all is going to work. But I'm telling you, the church will be eternal with us. 
So for those of you that said that I want to get out of the church, you're in trouble. You better embrace the church of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Listen to me. I really want to encourage you today. That you have to understand the power that comes with being a part of the body of believers, the church, the ecclesia. In the weight that it carries in the heavenlies. Amen. That revelation needs to come upon you. And it will change the way you walk. It will change the way you approach to come into church. It'll actually become a priority for you once again. Can anybody say amen? Amen. Man, I don't know. I think I'm just going to go golfing today because it's really nice out. Okay, I get it. But why can't you go after church? Don't you love the parents that would do this? Well, we're going to drop the kids off the church because it's a priority. But mom and dad... Don't need to go to church. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then you wonder why none of your kids want to be a part of church when they get old. Right. I know it's getting a little sticky. I'm just saying that, that the church is important. I don't want it to become religious that if you miss a Sunday that you're going to hell. Amen? Amen. But I do want you to see that it's important. So listen to me. Next week with others, I want to talk about unity and diversity in the church. Do you know? That we can be diversified, different, completely. Let me, how many of you are like your spouse? Huh? You two are on alike? Anybody? I know at least Don and Brian are a lot alike. They have to be. (laughs) Not so much. But can you be in unity? It, you know the whole saying that opposite attracts. Most of the time it does. Usually there's one that's good in this and one that's not. And you know that when you become together, it's contentious at times. And, and you're irritated and annoyed because of the toothpaste and because of all these silly little things. There's differences in that house. But you understand that you can have the ability to be in unity in diversity. Amen. And my God, if the body of Christ could ever get a hold of that. I finally believe that I matured when I actually accepted that this is the call of God in my life and I'm okay with it. I don't have to be like anybody else. I don't have to be like Joseph Garland and I don't have to be like T.D. Jakes. I don't have to be like, right? Be like you and be the best you that you are. Can anybody say amen and advance the kingdom and advance the goodness of God? Come alive in who you are in Christ. And then on the flip side, be happy for other people that are gifted in an area that you're not. Oh, I wish I had the intelligence, or I wish I had that gift, or I wish, and I wish I could sing, but I can't. Barring a miracle, I'll never be on the worship team, will I? Where's AJ? (laughs) Well, you'll never let me, will you, AJ? I said maybe someday they can mute it, and I can just pretend that I could be like Dave and a part of the worship team. It's not my gift. I do have a gift to sing. Right? Under the Lord, and it's not always so good. That's why I don't sing too loud. Make a joyful noise. Some of you are in that boat. We're going to unveil the fivefold ministry a little bit. What it is, 
Jesus was the only one, by the way, that, that, that actually walked in all fivefold. The ascension gifts that he gave the body of Christ. What they look like. How do they function? We're going to talk. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a, a prayer that Jesus prayed that still is not answered today. Jesus and John prayed for three things. He prayed for himself. He prayed for his disciples. And he prayed for all believers. What was the prayer for all believers? It would be what? We're not even close to being one. It is the heartbeat of Jesus Christ that his body would become one. Matter of fact, the greatest... You know what I look for prophetically? And listen to me. I know there are those that are called to dive into Daniel Rich and to get into the to get into the different prophecies that are being fulfilled in Israel and all those things are good and you should have some foundation. But you want to know my number one thing that I look at when people say, "Do you think that Jesus Christ is coming back soon?" What soon? Side note: Every single generation thought they were a generation to see Jesus Christ to come back. Everyone. And they were all wrong. You know that? The biggest sign to me is that Jesus said he's going to come back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. So my personal belief, and I'm not throwing this on you, is that when the church is at her pinnacle in power, in evangelism, in purpose... In authority, in advancement, in healing, that's when soon will come. And we're not even close, in my estimation. Amen. I don't know if that's five years away or 500, I'll be honest with you. But Jesus is going to come back for a bride. I want to do something real quick and set you up for next week. Do you have that, do you have that video ready? And listen, I'll, before you bring the video, go ahead, play it. We'll talk about it after. I want you to hear the words of this. This is going to kind of set us up for next week. This, this was during the pandemic. This is for the busted hearts. This is for the question marks. This is for the outcast soul. Lost control. No one knows. Sing it for the can't go back. Sing it for the broken past. Single fool that just found out life is now upside down. If you're looking for hope tonight, raise your hand. If you feel alone and don't understand. If you're fighting the fight of your life, then stand. We're gonna make it through this standing hand.
stand up and if with your family or people you're comfortable with just grab their hand we're we're better together do you hear me in the revelation that we need each other in every season and so I want to pray today that we catch a revelation of the necessity of being a part of the body of Christ. So, Father, today, as we join hands, God, just this video as it showed it so clearly, all the crazy stuff that we've gone through. God, I'm asking you that you would take something that seemed like it was evil in many ways and you'd produce good. You would allow God people to rise up like never before. To appreciate the body of Christ. To be thankful to be able to gather. And to forsake not the assembly of the saints. God I'm asking you. That in this body there would come a fresh revelation. That every single person is important. And that the authority that we carry in the church to impact our region. Our state and even the nations is real because you said it was real. So, Father, we grab hold of the authority that you've given us today. We also grab hold of the concept that when one suffers, we all suffer. When we fall, we fall together. When we rise, we rise together. Father, help us to be the body that you've called us to be with diversity, with imperfections, with strengths, with weaknesses, with irritations. God, I'm asking you to miraculously to bring this body to be what you've called it to be. Father, we speak your blessing upon every single person. Let them go throughout this week and really dive into this concept. God, you show them the truth. You said that we should know, we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. We give you praise. And everybody said, I love you guys. Be blessed.